You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. Today we have Monica McCarrick on from Impact Family Wellness. Monica, thanks so much for being here with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Katie. So Monica, tell us a little bit about you and your background as a nurse. What kind of nurse are you? And Sure. Uh, so I'm actually a family nurse practitioner. Um, I got my nursing degree back in 2008 and then took a year off and went directly to graduate school um, and became a nurse practitioner. I lied. I finished my undergrad in 2005, my NP in 2008. So sorry about that. Um, so I've been a nurse practitioner for about 13 years now. Um, and I, I work in family practice now. I, as a, a floor nurse, I worked in the float pool, did a lot of ortho stuff. Um, Cause turns out I learned a little too late that I don't like sick people. Um, but I do like it when I can fix things. So ortho was a good place for me. Um, and then when, once I finished my FNP, I worked in ortho for a while. I did some urgent care. I did some family medicine, um, went back to ortho and even did some venous and lymphatic medicine, I'm actually fellowship trained in venous and lymphatic medicine. Um, but I've ultimately always had a passion for primary care because I like to take care of a whole person, not just part of them. I would see a patient with a broken arm whose blood pressure was sky high and I knew how to fix it, but I wasn't allowed because I was in orthopedics. So um, yeah, I came back to family practice and uh, that's where I plan to stay. Yeah, no, I, I always hated that kind of segmentation because I was an acute care nurse practitioner in neurosurgery and it was like, you know, if they had a UTI, you have to call med. I'm like, why do I have to call medicine? It's a UTI. My God, this is ridiculous. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so uh, what is, first, before we move on, what is venous lymphatic medicine? What does that mean? So um, it treats a lot of chronic venous insufficiency, um, which is when your veins don't work. Uh, there are one-way streets that are supposed to take blood from your feet back to your heart. And when they don't work, people get swelling, aching, um, a lot of venous ulcers that won't heal. Um, it's actually from blood flow. And then um, the lymphatic part of it is when people develop lymphedema, um, whether just naturally or from a surgical procedure um, where they just get this buildup of, of fluid. Um, so I used to do a lot of radiofrequency ablation procedures on people's veins. I also used to do phlebectomies. So you have those giant varicosities in your leg. And I used to remove those in the office. It was so much fun. Um, but once again, I'm like I cringing right it. now. <laughs> you can't oh, see me, but I'm cringing. <laughs> yeah. If I can use a scalpel, I am in. So uh, it was, it was really fun for me. Um, it got a little bloody at times, but it was, it was fun. So, uh, but it, it, limited that taking care of a whole person. And so it, it got a little bit, not what I wanted to do. So. Okay. So you were a nurse practitioner. You did the ortho urgent care inpatient. And then did you work for a family practice uh, before starting your own business? I did. Yeah. So I worked for um, several different family practices um, in New Mexico, where I, I lived prior to now, where I live in Cedar Park, Texas, which is the north side of Austin. Um, so I've done a lot of family practice. So of my 13 years, I would say at least seven of those have been in family practice internal medicine um, positions. Okay. 
And how was that transition going from New Mexico where you had full practice to Texas? Uh, oh. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Right. So now that I've been, so I moved to Texas two and a half years ago. So I've been a nurse practitioner for 10 years. I'd always lived in full practice authority states, but now that I have 10 years of experience, the state of Texas thinks I'm not smart enough to do my job anymore. Um, so I do have a collaborating physician because I have to, um, but it's interesting. Our collaborating physician here at this practice is actually an emergency room physician. Um, and she's phenomenal at what she does, but she doesn't treat thyroids and high blood pressure and ADHD. She treats people who are dying, right? Um, so she's a great resource for us when we need her. Um, but that the restrictions of having a collaborator in Texas is, is actually very interesting um, because they only require that you review chart, however many that is in your contract. That can be one chart, 10 charts, 50 charts. Um, but the less charts that our collaborating physician reviews, the better off she is, because if she reviews it, she's legally liable for it. But if she doesn't, then she's not, um, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but hey, it's cool. Um, and then the, the big kicker is that we can't write for schedule two medications in this state, which is mind blowing to me because we have a lot of patients that have been diagnosed with ADHD and we are happy to manage them, right? They've been on these meds for a really long time. We do not diagnose ADHD, um, but we should be able to manage their medications. We were taught how to do this. I did it for 10 years, but now for some reason, it's safer for a physician who's never laid hands nor eyes on this patient to write the prescription, as opposed to me, the person who's sitting in front of them, evaluating the patient and actually making the recommendation. Um, so, you know, as much as I think the state of Texas is trying to protect people, I think they're honestly making it a little bit worse. Um, but, you know, I don't make those rules. I just follow them. Um, so it's, you know, and thankfully we have a, a supervising physician who is absolutely phenomenal. She trusts us. She she trusts our judgment. Um, you know, she'll ask a question or two every once in a while, but overall she knows that we know what we're doing. Um, and she also doesn't charge us thousands and thousands of dollars, um, right. because there's a lot of providers that will do that because they can. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard so nightmare stories of that. I remember being at an AANP meeting one time and one of the nurse practitioners was like, yeah, my collaborating was charging me like a thousand dollars. And then one day he woke up and wanted $5,000 and she's like, and I couldn't afford to pay him. And, uh, you know, she had to shut her practice down. And I was like, I'm like, is that real? Like, can that happen? <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, it was horrifying. Well, and I, I understand the wanting to have some supervision, um, maybe for a new grad or somebody who's new to this, but to be honest, I'm 13 years in and I still ask for help all the time. We actually have a software that we use that allows us to consult specialists free of charge for our members. We use it on a daily basis. Um, not only for our own education, but also just to make sure that we're doing what's best for our patients. And when I can just call up a pediatric endocrinologist and say, Hey, what do you think about this? And they get back to me within 12 hours. It's a no brainer. Right. And I'm not going to do something that I don't know what I'm doing because then I'm going to lose my license. So I understand the whole, like, let's supervise people, but they've, they've got to got to figure out a better way to do it than let the physicians dictate how much money they want to charge uh, the nurse practitioners in this state. So, but that's, that's a whole nother conversation. Did you have trouble finding your medical director? Um, so my initial medical director actually happened to be my, my college roommate. Um, and that, that was great, except she was also my friend. Um, and so it kind of got, and she also was an ER doc. And so, you know, there were things that I did that she didn't do. And so it was kind of a, 
Um, it, it wasn't great for our friendship, to be honest. Um, and then when I hired my first employee to join my practice, she, um, she had a collaborating position and that's the one that we use now. And she's phenomenal. Um, and so she, uh, supervises all three of the providers here in my office currently. So, okay. All right. So what was the, the day, if you remember that you decided, Hey, I can do primary care on my own or family practice, and I'm going to start my own practice. Well, that's a good question. Um, so I had always had this desire to do primary care, but in the insurance-based realm, it is exhausting. Um, and I was 35 and had another 20 plus years to go. And I was relocating to Texas and I was going to figure out what I was going to do. Did I want to keep doing primary care? What was that? Um, and so my, my cell phone listened to me and sent me a Facebook ad that said primary care physician takes home $400,000 a year and is what? home in time for dinner. And really? home in time for dinner. And I was like, that is a lie. And I clicked on it. Oh, that's and good. It I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I know, right? Um, it was all about direct primary care. And so that is the model that my office is based upon now. So it's not insurance dependent. It's membership based. And so um, I had never wanted to own my own business ever, ever. I never wanted to learn, figure out who's going to turn on the lights. I didn't want to deal with billing and coding and receptionists and managing people. I just wanted to take care of humans. Um, but this model would allow me to see less patients, spend more time with them, take better care of them, have more control of my time and make the same amount of money. And I was like, huh, this seems great. So I went to my husband I said, Hey husband, I have this really great idea. And he has an MBA. And so he, of course, was like, yeah, Monica, that doesn't work. How can that be possible? That, that can't really work. So I dove in with two feet, did every piece of research I could, wrote my own business plan and said, husband, I need 20 grand. I need to, and $20,000 to start this business when we moved to Texas. And he was like, uh, okay. And I said, and by the way, I'm not going to make money for at least six months. And he was like, all right, I guess let's try this. Um, and so not only was I moving to a new area, so I moved from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Cedar Park, Texas. Uh, so I didn't have a, a patient base, right? So I didn't have 700 patients that I had been taking care of. Um, so I opened a medical practice with a new model um, with nobody knowing that I'm not an idiot. So it was, it was quite a, a struggle in the beginning of getting people to know who I was and how it, it worked. Um, but that was two and a half years ago. I opened my doors in April of 2019, um, with 23 members pre-signed up and we just crossed over 800 members yesterday. So it's wow. been, uh, yeah, it's been uh, amazing. Um, how amazing. just, you just got to provide people with decent care and they tell all their friends about it. Um, and so we, we do, we just take care of people like they're humans and it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, un unfortunately, a lot of times the bar is really low in terms of like <laughs> <laughs> medical care that's out this there. So, uh, yeah. yeah. No, when, you, when you first said that, that ad came up saying the physician was bringing home 400,000, I'm thinking none of the primary cares I know working in the insurance model are doing, they're like struggling to breathe. They have like 40 patients a day to mm -hmm. see, um, you know, they're constantly laden down. So yeah, that would have been a very stimulating ad to, to read because it's like contrary to what you think about. 
Yeah. Um, By the way, I'm not making $400,000 a year, just so you know, not even close, but I'm okay with that because <laughs> I love what I do now. Yes. And, and it's yours. And I, well, I also think people have a, a huge misperception of, um, you know, so we hear these numbers, the revenue numbers coming in and they have no idea the difference between like revenue and free cash in your business that you actually get to take home and put in your bank and, and spend because you can't spend revenue for sure. Um, sure. Okay, so anyway, you had uh, 23 patients lined up. Um, how did you go about getting those patients to, to line up? The book of faces. It's all about social media, my friend. Um, so I was still in New Mexico. I actually moved here in on March 8th of 2019, opened my doors April 1st. Oh my God. Um, and so I, I know. Mess around. <laughs> it, was, it was nuts. It was crazy. Um, but I launched my website in January, um, still was working at my job in, um, New Mexico until March when I moved here. So my two days off between when I stopped working and moved. Um, and so it was really just a matter of putting myself out there into mom groups, into my neighbor, my new neighborhood. And I obviously wasn't here, um, but I was offering free virtual meet and greets so that we could like talk to patients and explain who I am and what we do, because it is really a different model because we're membership based, right? It's like Netflix for your doctor. And so getting people to understand that um, was, was a struggle. Um, but I actually signed on a business before I even opened my doors. So um, direct primary care is not only for individuals and families, but we also work with a lot of small businesses that don't offer healthcare benefits for their employees. And so there's a, a guy who owns a UPS store who lives in my neighborhood and happened to see a social media post that I had put up in our neighborhood and signed on all of his employees with me. Um, and yeah, it just kind of went from there because then he talks to his other buddies who own businesses and, uh, yeah. So it's so much about putting your face out there, right? Like I own impact family wellness, but people don't come to impact family wellness because it's impact family wellness. They come here because of Monica, they come here because of Joanna and they come here because of Katie. And so putting our faces out there all day, every day, like you pull up my website, the first thing you see are the faces of the providers in this office. It's not a generic like kid getting his temperature taken, right? Like people know what we do, right? We're healthcare, um, but people want to know who you are and they want to know that you're a human being. And that is really the approach that we take because we want to be approachable. We want our patients to know that they can call us whenever they need to. And we're not going to judge them. You ate 42 cheeseburgers last week and now your cholesterol sky high. Great. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out how we can fix it. Not, oh my gosh, you're such a terrible human being. I can't believe you did that. That gets nobody anywhere. Um, and so it's really all about just taking care of humans. Um, our mission here is to take care of our patients as we would our own family. And that is true to our hearts. Like I tell every patient, listen, if you were my sister, I would tell you to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and that's really what they want to know. You can give them all the options in the world, but they really need to know what, what you recommend and what works for them. Um, and right. so it's, it's been a learning curve because turns out I went to school to be a nurse, not a marketer or a business owner or an accountant and definitely not a janitor. That was the first hat I gave up was cleaning my own <laughs> office, <laughs> uh, but I wore all those hats. Yeah. 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 You have to, when you're first getting started and, you know, I'll say when I, when you told me your website and I pulled it up, the first thing, you know, and you heard me say, I was like, oh, wow. And it, it because it's like you, the three of you, and it's such a powerful position that you guys are in there. It, there's such confidence oozing from this photo that you have. Um, and it's just, you do feel like 
Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I like your headline. What if your provider is more like your friend? Because that's what people, I mean, people want that nowadays. Like we're, we're done with the guy in the white coat telling you to lose 20 pounds, but not telling you how to do it type of thing. Right. And he's 40 pounds overweight, by the way. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah we, <laughs> we get it all the time. Yeah. No, I, I cannot tell you the power of a quality headshot or professional photos. I mean, that picture was expensive, but it was worth every dime. And it's because of exactly what you just said. I agree. (laughs) Um, All right, so can you tell the listeners that that what a a direct primary care is? um, Sure. Give them that kind of overview. Absolutely, so direct primary care is much like medicine of the 40s, to be honest. It takes the insurance company out of it. We want our patients to have insurance, but a lot of them don't. Um, And I want nothing to do with your insurance company because your insurance company regulates everything that happens to you, right? If you walk into an office as an insurance-based patient, you are not the customer. You're not the one they're trying to fix. It's whatever your insurance company says they can do. And we thankfully don't have to do that. So our office provides direct care from the provider to the patient. And we have a a contract of, of money that takes place. So our Our membership is $69 a month if you're under the age of 50, $89 a month if you're over the age of 50. And that gives you unlimited primary and urgent care. So you can come in as many times as you want. There's no extra co-pays. There's no receptionist. There's no medical assistant. There's no biller. There's no coder. There are three nurse practitioners that sit in this office and that's it. So when you walk in the front door, you don't walk up to a a table and say, who are you? What's your birthday? Sign 42 papers. Now sit down for 20 minutes and and wait. And then you're going to have to tell your story four times before you actually see your provider for about three minutes. Then you're going to get a bill in six months, but we can't tell you what it's going to be. Yeah, we get rid of all of that. Um, So what we do is give you as many times as you need to come in. You also get access to text your provider directly. We do 70 plus percent of our healthcare via text message. I don't need to touch you to talk about your yeast infection or your pink eye, or to be honest, your thyroid follow-up. I don't need to touch you. We just need to talk. Like, how are your symptoms? What do your labs look like? And so we can do that via text message or via video. Um, And we did this even before the pandemic was, we did a ton of video, right? Um, yesterday I had a patient with an, an infection in her ear from a piercing. I just need a picture, right? Like I don't actually need to touch that ear. And so we fixed it during her lunch break, right? There's no need for her to take off work and drive over here. Um, that membership also includes your annual physical, including your lab work. Uh, we used to not include people's lab work, um, but we found that people then had an excuse why they shouldn't do it. Um, but now they have no excuse because they're paying for it. Um, so we do a pretty extensive, um, annual physical lab work. So it's TSH, T3, T4, lipids, vitamin D, A1C, obviously your typical blood count, metabolic panel, that sort of thing. Um, we have to do a lot of in-office procedures. Like I said, I like to use scalpels. So I cut out ingrown toenails. I cut off moles, skin tags. We cut open abscesses. I put in IUDs. We take out next linons. I do joint injections, trigger point injections. We also do pap smears here in the office. Um, and that's all included in your membership. There's no extra cost for that. Oh, you're kidding. Um, no, there's no reason to nickel and dime people, right? Like when you don't work fee for service, you're no longer a slave to your office, right? So those insurance-based providers have to see 30 patients a day in order to keep the lights on, right? The first 20 patients that a primary care provider sees every day goes to pay overhead. They haven't made a dime after the first 20 patients. And this is why you can only come 
talk about two issues because of your billing way. You can't do your pap and your physical at the same day. And God forbid you want to talk about your allergies because now your annual physical just became a sick visit. So now you have to pay for it. We get rid of all of that. I just don't, it, that's not how people should be taken care of, right? Um, and it's not how, to be honest, that any medical provider wants to take care of somebody, but it's the guidelines that are set forth by your insurance company that make it happen that way. It's not because your provider doesn't want to have to do it. Trust me, it's much easier for me to take care of all five of your issues right now, as opposed to bringing you back three times to talk about them. But if I don't, I don't get paid for it. And so that's how that works in the insurance realm, but we get rid of all of that. Um, so, you know, we just, we make things easy. We also have a contract with a local lab to get labs at about a 90% discounted rate. So if you need labs above and beyond your annual physical, so if you need a thyroid screen every three months, it's $9. If you need a cholesterol panel, it's $3. If you want your testosterone checked just because you want to know it's $4 and 75 cents. And so because we don't have to have codes to go with each of these to try to get your insurance to cover them, we don't have to worry about it. And we can order whatever you and I think is important, not what your insurance thinks is important. Um, and as I mentioned, we have this software that we use to consult specialists free of charge for our patients. Um, and it's been amazing. We can, you know, send a message off to a rheumatologist and get an answer in 12 hours, as opposed to being like, well, I think you should go see a rheumatologist. I'm not sure what they're going to do for you, but it's going to take you six months to get in. It's going to cost you $400 to see them. And they might say that they can't do anything for you. But instead I say, let me type up this consult. Let me send it off and I'll have an answer for you by tomorrow. And it is amazing. These, uh, these specialists are awesome. The only time I've gotten a short answer back is from ortho, which doesn't surprise me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, we just, we learn so much from it because as family nurse practitioners, we are taught to know a little bit about a whole lot of things. And it's really great when you can talk to a specialist who's taught to know a ton about a few things. Um, and so it's just, it makes our patient experience so much better and just easier. So um, but all of our appointments are 60 minutes to 30 to 60 minutes. We're never rushed. We see five to seven patients a day. You can always get in the same day. We have online scheduling, um, but most of our patients just text us because it's easy. It's what we do. Yeah. So I mean, at some level, even if you had insurance through your business or like your company or whatever, for $69 a month, it's people <laughs> just joining yeah. your practice. <laughs> We actually have a lot of patients who have high deductible plans, right? They're going to pay $6,000 in a pocket before their insurance covers anything except their annual physical. So they'd rather come to us and just never meet that out-of-pocket cost, right? Um, we have a lot of patients on health shares. We actually have Medicare patients because they can't get in to see anybody and they can't get anybody to listen to them. The average wait time to see a primary care provider in this country is 29 days. People wow. will die in that amount of time. Like, Death can happen before you'll ever see somebody. Um, and so we just make it simple. And, um, you know, we don't do contracts here and we don't do enrollment fees because first of all, I think those things are stupid, but also we don't need to. Our people, our patients walk in the front door and they will never leave us because they love us. They, they just love the service that we can provide to them because we don't have 3000 patients, each provider. All of our providers are limited to a max of 500 patients. So we know your name, we know who you are, we know who your sister is, um, we know what you like to eat and what you don't like to eat and what your struggles are. Um, and that's so much different than your insurance-based practice that has 3,000 patients. I was lucky to know my patients' names. Usually mm -hmm. I would know their name if they were a giant pain in the butt, right? <laughs> it was only those like crazy patients that you remembered their names. 
Um, it was never the super sweet ones until you showed up and like, oh yeah, I saw you nine months ago. How are you? Or you see that patient's like, let's try this medicine, but you call me if it doesn't get better. And then they call and they get a receptionist and a medical assistant and a nurse that are just like barricading them away from getting to me. And then they show up three weeks later and they're miserable. I'm like, why didn't you call me? They're like, I called you four times. Like, I never knew that, right? Because I was never the one answering the phone. Now I am. Now I'm the one that picks up the phone. So, uh, yeah, it's fun. Um, that's awesome. And it has to make you feel good too, to, to see your patients know who they are and actually have an impact as your business is called. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Cause I, and I just can't even imagine, cause I've done office work before. So with my neurosurgery physician, um, you know, basically I did everything like inpatient, outpatient, all that kind of stuff. And I just remember, like going inpatient, seeing the ICU patients, doing some ED triage, and then coming back to the office. And I would have a list of like uh, 50 tasks of things to do. And it was always a peer-to-peer -peer review with, um, you know, the medical director who didn't think this, that. And I'm like, oh my God, like, why? <laughs> I, can't, right. I can't do this. It was so frustrating. And everything you tell them was actually in the note that you sent yes. them. They just didn't read it. It's like, did you read my note? No. Okay. Just check. Okay. You said you want me to sit on hold for 45 minutes while I wait for you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we wonder why people can't get scans done. Uh, yeah. We work with a lot of imaging centers that um, have really great cash pay prices. So we can get a CT scan for $250. We can get an MRI for 350. It's like, why would you even run that through your insurance? Cause they're going to make you jump through 32 hoops first. So if you want the image, let's just do it. Let's yeah. go. I had uh, an au pair a couple of years ago and he was doing some like dance class or whatever. And he jumped up and when he came down, he, he tore something in his knee and he couldn't walk. And I'm like, oh, you got to go to the orthopod. Like that's not going to just heal on its own. Uh, and so he went, but his Dutch insurance was uh, the reigning insurance. And they, they were going to be the ones that we we're going to pay. And they said, well, how much is the surgery going to cost? And I'm like, I don't think you're going to get that answer. And the, the orthopod's office is like, well, we can tell you two weeks after the surgery. And uh, they're like, it'll be somewhere between five and $25,000. And his insurance company was like, that's ridiculous. They actually flew him home to Amsterdam, did the surgery there, and then flew him back because it was cheaper and more predictable. I'm like, that is everything that is wrong with our system. <laughs> right. I mean, in what other place in life, if you went to Starbucks, and they didn't have the prices up on the on the wall, would you order a Starbucks? Probably not, right? We teach people to be amazing consumers, right? If you want a car, you're gonna search 42 places online, you're gonna go to three dealerships, you're gonna check the safety, you're gonna do all these things to be sure you get the best car you can. But when it comes to your body, we can't tell you the cost of anything. You can only see a doctor that's in your network, right? Like you don't actually get to choose who that person is. And then we're going to send you bills that are going to give you enough anxiety to kill you in six months, right? Because we have no idea how much anything's going to cost. It is so far broken. And I feel like direct primary care is a, a baby band-aid to help fix it. Yeah. Um, because we are all about price transparency and making things affordable. So, yeah. 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 I recently had an episode, you know, where I ended up in the hospital and, uh, you know, I got my bills later and the hospital visit itself, what didn't cost me much, but then there was like this one bill that came in for like a thousand dollars. And I'm like, what, 
what? <laughs> and the insurance right. is like, oh yeah, we don't cover that. And I was supposed to follow up with a specialist and the specialist wanted to see me like three months later. I'm like, I, I might be dead in three months. Like, <laughs> you know, like right. I need somebody now. And I ended up calling one of my specialist friends, mm-hmm. you know, because I have contacts being in the healthcare industry. And, but that's the sure. only way, you know, that people mm-hmm. can actually get that kind of service unless they're in direct primary care like you. Like if I was in your practice, I could have just been like, hey, Monica, you know, I'm scared. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. We get this a lot, um, all, all day, every day. Right. And, and the best part about having these relationships with patients is they're not afraid to call us, right? How many patients end up in the hospital because they've ignored symptoms for six months, yeah. right? They've had some weird symptom and they were afraid of what it was going to be. And they didn't know what the cost was. So they just didn't go to the hospital. They didn't go to a doctor and now they need some crazy surgery. It's going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so, you know, we try to prevent that. We try to catch diabetes before it's diabetes, um, which, you know, can be, can actually be done. It's pretty amazing. Yep. And I also see that you have a weight loss program as well. Um, was that something that you started with or something you added? So we added it because patients want it. Um, I personally have struggled with my weight my entire life. I did not have a normal BMI until I was 30. Um, and now it's still a struggle every day every day of my life, it is a struggle and no one wants to be overweight. Find me one person who's like, yeah, I love it, but I'm 30 pounds over. No one says that. Right. And weight is such a huge issue in this country, not only from a stigma standpoint, but also a healthcare standpoint. And a lot of it has to do with our lifestyles and what we do. Um, and so we have patients that wanted this, right. And so this weight loss program, it's really about accountability, to be honest. Like, sure, there's some lipo B injections. Do they help? I'm not out on if that tells you anything. Um, but sometimes it, it does give people that extra energy, that extra boost they need. Um, sometimes we'll use appetite suppressants. Sometimes we use GLP-1s. Um, there's just a lot of different ways to go about it. But ultimately, it's because we make them show up once a week and get on a scale. That's usually what helps the most. Um, and we talk in depth about what they're eating. Unfortunately, if you Google healthy diet, good luck, because you are going to see one person who says eat 42 carbohydrates a day with every meal. One person's going to say, don't ever eat carbohydrates. Somebody's going to say, don't ever eat red meat. Somebody who says only eat red meat. Somebody who says you should be a vegetarian or a pescatarian. Yeah, it's all over the place, right? And then there's Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers and Keto and Adkins and you know the guy down the street who's who knows what he's doing. Um, and so it really comes down to the patient. And a lot of it has to do with sleep and hormones and age and lifestyle and all of these things. Um, and so that takes more than a two minute conversation turns out. Yeah, yeah it and, does. And so we really spend a lot of time with these patients trying to help understand why they're overweight, right? Like it, it, there's not a patient out there who's like, yes, I'd like to eat 14 cheeseburgers, but I don't know why I'm <laughs> overweight. It's like, well, yeah. you know that, right? So usually they're struggling. Um, and so we are here to help with that um, and give them the time and the care that they need to do that so yeah I, I love that though I, I would say and I mean I know that if I eat McDonald's french fries you know that's not good for you but what I was surprised about finding about about McDonald's french fries is that they actually put sugar in them to help turn them brown and I think uh-huh. like the sugar is in so many different places all over your food like it, it's just I mean yeah. if, if you just could know what has sugar in it that would blow your mind like french why would why do we need sugar in french fries right it's like this well, huge addiction <laughs> Right. Sugar is more addictive than cocaine. Mm -hmm. Like 
I'm not sure why sugar is legal, honestly. Like, I love it. Don't get me wrong. Sugar's yeah. delicious. Um, but yeah, they did rat studies uh, on that. The, I remember that, like, they did a rat study. They gave the they addicted the rat to cocaine, and then they gave the rat sugar, and then they gave them a choice, and the rat always went for the sugar over yeah. the cocaine. It's amazing. Right? Yeah. It is. Um, and sometimes it's it's those discussions, like people just don't know because there's so much information out there. Unfortunately, the internet is great, but it is going to kill us all. Yeah. Because you can put whatever you want on the internet, right? I can find. I bet I can Google is Coca-Cola good for me and find a website that says it is yeah. promise. Right. Yeah. And we all know it's not, we all know that, but, but I understand uh, it's good yeah. for scrubbing your toilet though. It's got good properties for that. I have heard this. Yeah. Right. All right, Monica. So um, <laughs> if people are interested in learning more about your practice and how you do direct primary care, or just uh, want to find your website in general, where can they find you? Sure. So you just go to impactfamilywellness.com, spelled as you would expect it to. Um, and you'll see that, that picture of those power ladies up there. Um, I would be the one in the red dress in the middle. Um, and that will get you all the information about what we do. We also have a YouTube channel, just Impact Family Wellness, um, that has a ton of videos about what we do. We also do a Facebook Live every week. So we do a lot of wow. education. Um, yeah, so we're Impact Family Wellness on all the platforms out there. Uh, so yeah, check us out and we're happy to answer questions. We do offer free meet and greets in the office as well. That can be done in office or virtually. And we do have patients that don't live in the area because we do so much virtually. We have patients that are in Houston and Lago Vista and Odessa and Amarillo. Um, and we can take care of patients out of state as well. So um, if that's something people are interested in, just give us a call and we're happy to chat. Awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I really appreciate your time, Katie.